You get into coaching because we want to help, but you don't get to stay there unless athletes choose to play for you year in and year out. There will, of course, be some turnover for various reasons, but on the whole, how many of your girls would choose you again if given the chance? You may think there's a lot of factors that go into it, but can you imagine if you created a culture where the players felt accepted instead of judged? They'll keep choosing to play for you. This is why we do what we do and why we love to bring on guests like today's so we can share their experiences on the subject. So are you ready to hear her tips and how she does it at the highest level? Let's jump in. Get your head in the game, coach. You're about to get your audio dose of softball inspiration. I'm Melanie Rushing, And I'm Alicia Smith. And we help softball teams win more games and have more fun. Right now, you're joining thousands of passionate coaches across the nation who are dragging the field, prepping for the day, or driving to that other job while they learn and grow as a coach. So if you're ready to learn how to build a strong team culture, get your players to believe, and make a real difference in their lives, you're in the right place. This is the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast. We are super excited for today's guest. She is going to do big things. Learned a little bit about you, but I'll let you tell your spiel. But super excited to hear where you're taking this program, what's been working for you. We've got a lot of coaches who are starting either with a, a big bunch of new girls or a whole new team. So I'm excited to hear that part of your experience too. So please, everyone, welcome Jessica. And I'm going to say her name correctly this time. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher it, but at least it's not going to be as awful <laughs> as the first time. Bracamonte. That's it was really closer. Good. It was yeah, close. You're close. Yeah. Ah, I'm working yeah. on it. <laughs> Welcome, coach. Thank you so much. You, you just don't have a last name like Smith. So, which is <laughs> <laughs> super easy. No one has to ask me. Uh, thanks for joining, coach. We really appreciate uh, you joining us today. But if you could start off by telling us a little bit about your journey, starting as a player and then all the way into uh, when you got this head coaching position. Yeah, I'll try to condense that as much as possible. But I, um, I went to Michigan State. I played there um, for four years, but then took a fifth year as a student assistant. I knew at that point I wanted to coach. And so I um, asked my coach if I could stay around and just be a manager, kind of help with the team, learn a little bit more about that side of the game. Um, She said, yes. And um, so I was able to get that experience that fifth year. Um, I am from California. And so, you know, I, I missed home. Um, I wanted to go, to go back, but, you know, I had, talked with her, worked very closely with her about what were the next steps I had to take. This is my goal. I want to be a head coach. So she said, well, you've got to go get your master's. I said, okay, but I want to go home. And she's like, well, then you find a program there or you get one year. I will give you one year off. One year, a lot of times turns into two years, turns into three years. She said, I will hunt you down and drag you by your hair wherever you got to go next, but you get one year. So I went home for a year and I got a um, assistant coach position at Uh, Golden West Community College in Huntington Beach. And um, that was my first year there. After that, I looked for opportunities to get into a GA position somewhere. And fortunately, um, Central Michigan had an opening. And not only was that in a familiar state and part of the country um, for me, but um, I just had learned through um, Jackie Joseph, who I played for, who played for uh, Margo Yonker, who was the head coach at Central Michigan um, at the time that, you know, she's great people, one of the best in the game. And so I just knew that there's a lot of things working for me um, in the opportunity. So I applied for it. I got it. I thought that it was going to be a two-year 
you know, that the position was just a two-year position. Um, at the time, it was a head coach, one assistant coach, and then a GA. And after year two, that position got turned into a second full-time position. It's something Margot had been pushing for for a really long time. And I was just fortunate to be there when that actually got um, the stamp of approval. So I stayed on for another four years. And in, so after the 2019 season, um, I started applying and um, came across, uh, I got reached out to by uh, Marissa Young, the head coach at Duke about the assistant position there. Just kind of went through that process and um, felt that it was a really great move for me, um, not only career-wise, but personally, you know, it was a, a chance to, to grow. I had lived in Michigan for 11 years between undergrad and grad school. So it was time for me to branch out and challenge myself a little bit um, more in a different way. And so I was able to go down there and be a part of something really, really special. It's a brand new program. I got there year three still in the very early stages of developing what, you know, she, what her vision was for the culture and direction of the program. Um, so it was, it was a privilege to be a part of something like that. And then we actually did some pretty cool things. And, and that was a really, that was an experience I hadn't really had up to that point in my career, that level of postseason play, um, regional, super regionals, um, winning the, the ACC tournament, you know, championship. And so, um, it was just a really great experience. I learned a lot about myself, um, but I, because I'd always known I wanted to be a head coach, I have really tried every year at every stop to learn as much as I can about what I need to do to put myself in the best position possible. And so after this last year, I felt that it was good timing resume wise. And it was really good timing uh, for me personally and how prepared I felt. And so I, um, you know, I, I started looking and applying and interviewing and, um, Toledo just, just, you know, was it very early on felt like that's where I wanted to be from my first conversation with the athletic director to the interview process and my on-campus interview and how everything um, kind of took off from there. I was really hoping that I was going to get this job. And when I did, I just knew it was meant to be. So um, I'm here and super excited and things have gone pretty well so far. Congratulations. Super Thank exciting. You. Been there since June, right? Yes. Uh, July. Yeah. July yeah. Okay. 5th, yeah. Oh, I know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> like August 1. Let's roll. <laughs> right. exactly. uh, so we talk so much about culture and I think it's super fascinating. The stops you've had along the way. Uh, your first two stops were very like already set cultures, like strong foundations um, from those coaches to go into a brand new program with a super strong culture. Like it was so cool watching the progress of that team throughout those God, so few years. What are you taking, what lessons uh, are you taking now into your program? Because so far you've just had fall with them and it, I'm sure it flew by, <laughs> but what are you taking with you and what's working now for you? So I was pretty fortunate to be able to have some real hands-on experiences at the, you know, at the last two stops. And I know Margot, you know, had established a lot of um, already concrete things within her program that have worked. Obviously, she's super successful. She'd been there 40 years um, or about 30, you know, four at the time. Um, but there and at Duke, I was, culture is just something that is near and dear to my heart. And it didn't start out that way. Um, you know, my first 
couple of years as a coach, um, but it definitely grew into that as I went along. And it's, it's just something that now when, when people ask, what's your favorite part about coaching? It definitely is the, the culture piece. And I think that's because it encompasses, you know, relationship building and creating an environment people want to be a part of and all of those things. And so um, in 2016 at Central, we had um, a bit of a down year. And Margo will tell you herself that it was one of the most talented teams she'd ever coached on paper. Um, I mean, the, the just hands down, top to bottom, super loaded. But the leadership um, was was one of the toughest years she had ever experienced. So when you you know look at this, should be one of the best teams I've ever gone through this program in forty years, but we significantly underperformed and worked through you know issues and drama that we just hadn't had, and she hadn't really had a ton in her career. If that wasn't enough to show you that talent just isn't enough that it's like I was able to see that unfold right in front of me. And so that was huge for me. And I think that her wanting to help me grow and develop as a coach and prepare me for head coaching someday, um, she, she told me, I want you to figure out how to get us back on track. I want you to create a plan. We'll talk about it. You know, how do we go? We're going to graduate these seniors. What do we do? How do we start over next year? And so I was able to to brainstorm and think, you know, if, if this were me, what would I do? How do I think we get there and, and really challenge myself in that way. Um, and I sat down with her and I was like, this is what I think, this is how we should approach it. And she said, take it. And so she just, her supporting me and giving me the opportunity to try that. Um, and then and the next year we, and, and this isn't, um, this isn't because of me, because without her support, without the coaching staff, without the players buying in, none of it's possible. Right. But for us to go from that year to the following year, winning the regular season, because that was our sole focus was the culture and the experience of their student athletes um, just taught me a lot. And it made me super passionate about that part. Um, and then going down to Duke, I think that, um, you know, knowing that part of my background and me having shared that with um, Marissa through the process of that's something I'm really passionate about. This is the experience I have with it. She was like, OK, I want you to make that be one of your responsibilities. I, this is my vision. This is what I want. And so we sat down year one and I said, what's really important to you? What do you want to, and so I made it my job to make sure that every day we were putting that at the front, right? Cause she's got head coaches, a million things to, to worry about and think about. And so made it my responsibility to make sure that that was um, at the forefront of what we did. And she supported me in that. She allowed me to grow in that area. And so I've, I've had bosses that have given me opportunities to grow in that way. Um, and I have seen how those ideas and those contributions have made such a big difference. You made reference to the leadership piece of culture and how important that is. And I have also seen the exact same thing with my program because without the player led piece, you know, that's really what ultimately I want my team to get to, right? Is to be player led. And so what are some of the things that you uh, incorporated with your leadership to try to get the leadership incorporated into the culture and help that leadership piece along? I think the first thing that we did that from 16 to 17 um, at Central was, um, I think a lot of times where the disconnect happens is players feel that you're on two different sides of it, right? So players and then the coaches. And what they don't understand is that even though 
I'm there holding you accountable and pushing you and pulling things out of you. We want the same things. And so what we did was we, we made a list of co- as coaches of what we wanted and what our goals were, how we thought we'd get there, what we thought we needed. So accountability, responsibility, all these things, just a list. And then we went into this meeting with a team that actually ended up taking close to three hours. Um, we went in and the first thing we did was, what do you guys want coming off of this year? Did you have a good experience? No, it wasn't a good experience. Okay, so what do you think we need? What do you, where do you want to go? And just let them talk. They made a list on a whiteboard. They wrote it all down and we said, okay, here's our list. How many of the same things do you see on these two lists? And they were like, huh, yeah, it's a lot of the same things. So it's like, okay, so we want the same things. Now, how are we going to work together to get there? And that was probably like, you know, the biggest thing. And it's really no different. Like, they play the sport because they want to be good at it, right? They play the sport because they want to win. And so really at the end of the day, as much as we think, I think coaches think this too, we're just so different, right? Debt generationally and all this. So we separate ourselves because of age and generation and experience. When really, when you take a step back, there are so many like common themes of what both sides want. And so I think the more you can, try to get them to see we're on the same team, even though sometimes it feels like this. Um, that was a big kind of starting point to, you know, getting there. Step one, I think. That's huge. Shoot, the stuff that we want them to work on, we're also working on as professionals. Like we want to win for ourselves as coaches. We want to be great performers as coaches. <laughs> like, yeah. Love that. Excellent point. What were some of the things that you guys got out of that session? What were some of the things the girls wanted, something that you could take into that season? Um, we really just, at the end of the day, we said, you know, we're going to do everything we can to win. Um, but more than anything else, we're going to respect each other. We're going to empower each other. We're going to lift each other up. We're going to support each other. Um, and if we do these things, then we'll see what kind of comes out of it. And making that, you know, instead of talking about the fact whether you won or lost a game, it was, what did we do well? Where did we fall short? Whether you won or lost, you could have, you know, won a game, run rule the team. But if we didn't play our best, we were still talking about the things, our standards, you know, did we win the inning? What does that look like? What does that mean? And so we talk a lot about the process, but I think that we get away from that as coaches because we give feedback based on the results. And so we made everything about the process and the journey. Um, and that was, you know, that was a really big deal for us. And when they were able to focus on that, you find small wins every day. Then you don't start to take a full season um, to the plate in one at bat. And so it just really made a big difference. Um, you know, we talked about how, because the, the players, they know that they need to be accountable. They know that. So it's not like they don't know these things. So when we gave them a chance to just kind of run with, how do we get there? Well, they said we have to work hard. We have to be disciplined. We have to hold each other accountable. We have to, they had all the answers. It's not like they don't want to do those things or know that they need to. It's how are you empowering them to do it within each other? How are you empowering them to do it within themselves? Are you being honest about the fact that those are things you struggle with every day? You know, there's so much more respect that comes with, hey, listen, holding yourself accountable, it's not easy. I have to hold myself accountable every single day when it comes to this. And the more you can, be vulnerable with them about the fact that we struggle with the same things every single day, they're less likely to resist it and more likely to embrace it. 
So what did, what did you do when, because inevitably over a course of a season, I see it in the high school season and my season's two and a half months long. I can imagine the lot, the amount of time you're together with the girls, um, fall season, and then you have the entire spring. Inevitably, you're going to have a part or one or two parts of your season that are not good, right? The play isn't there. They're stressed out. There might be some drama or finger pointing. How did you kind of correct that or right the ship when that happens? So that first, um, pretty sure, I'm not getting my years mixed up. That first tournament, I think we went 0-5 that year that we won it. I'm pretty sure we went 0-5. And so that was like to, to start, right? You're starting there, that struggle place. And so I, I think if you can remain calm and confident as a coach, and just talk about, hey, why did that happen? I mean, I tried it this fall after every game this fall. And you don't always have time to do this sometimes, especially tournaments. You have to get out of the dugout. And, you know, so there's there's not always time. But this fall, we made it a point to ask their evaluation of the game before we said anything. Give me your thoughts. And then they they talk through a lot of things that you don't even, you're like, okay, you guys touched on it all. Or I would add this. And so I think then it's not you just talking at them all the time, right? It's them kind of problem solving within each other, identifying those areas of weaknesses and improvement points. Um, and it gives them a voice, right? Everybody, I just think we talk so much about this generation and how they're they're softer or they um, want more input and they want all these things. And I know where that comes from. I get it because I have felt that, but the more that I've really tried to learn about people in general, they we're no, we just, we want the same things. We want a voice. I want a voice. You know, it doesn't matter. I may know how to handle not having a voice better or differently than they do because that's a generational difference. But the wants behind those things are no different. It's the same. I want to be respected by my, my you know, administrator and my boss. I want um, to be asked my opinion if I had to work for a boss who was really tough and yelled and screamed or a boss that, you know, met me where I was and mentored me through things, okay, I might be able to handle a boss that yells and screams, but I wouldn't pick that boss. And so I think just being the person you would pick or being the person they would pick is important instead of making them, you know, this thing that they're not. That is an excellent point. Because I see that all the time, like <laughs> coaches, coaches will need a vent and like they're complaining about this kid wants this to me. I'm like, oh, sounds pretty fair. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't blame them on that one. Yeah. What are some things off the top of your head or from experience? Like, what can we be for kids that we would want for ourselves even now as adults? Just understanding. Everybody wants to be understood. It doesn't mean. Um, you lower standards or you understanding doesn't mean agreeing. It doesn't mean accepting. It just means understanding, right? And, and you can understand, like, hey, I understand. I get why you did this. I'm just going to tell you when that happens in this program, this is the consequence. So like, you know, what can I do to help you moving forward so that it doesn't happen again? Um, you're human. Mistakes happen, but understand that mistakes have consequences and this is one of them. And so it's, it's just knowing that at the end of the day, like I can't even count how many mistakes I make in a day, right? It's just like, do I do my best? Yes. Do I think I'm a good person? Yes. But am I perfect? No. And so it's just 
there's holding them to high standards, which I think that we should. But the more you can do that with understanding and compassion, the more likely they are to want to meet those standards, not just for you and your program, but for themselves. And so I just think that's the the missing piece in a lot of this is um, holding them to such high standards that you don't allow them to screw up or be human. And then they feel they can't be honest with you or they can't be real with you. And then you don't ever really reach them because they're feeling like they have to be this perfect player or person. And so I, I just think that understanding, right? That this is like, when you think about whether it's political views, religious views, all of these different different things that are out there, I cannot agree with them, but I can like respect that there's a person on the other side of them for whatever reason they think that, or they feel that, or they believe that just like I think and feel and believe this, even though I think I'm the right side of it and they're on the wrong side, right? So it's, but they think I'm on the, so we're just the same, we're the same. And so I think that it's being super honest and self-reflective about what the truth is. And the truth is you're not always right. The other person always wrong or, you know, there's just like, I get it. I'm so, I feel so strongly about this, just like they feel so strongly about that. I don't think you could have said it any better. Like and just Mel and I are both nodding our heads because I think the understanding piece is the piece that I feel like a lot of coaches don't have or don't think they have or don't know how to achieve and and letting the players set their own standards sometimes. Like for example, we're on we're on the field and we're doing a drill and you've got to do it perfectly, right? You've got to field, throw and catch perfectly. But if they bobble the ball just a little bit and they, but they still get it and make the throw, they look at me and will say, does that count? I said, what's your standard, right? Like you have to hold them to that. Like they, I think there's value in them setting their own standards. And then like you mentioned, they're, they're held, then they're holding themselves accountable to it. Right. Absolutely. So back to that, sorry, that was two different things. But the, the thing that I wanted to get to was that piece about understanding how do you, what's a piece of advice you would give to coaches that are trying to learn and understand their players a little bit better? You study it just like everything else, right? The, the, when I decided that that was the missing piece for me, or when I had been told enough times that, gosh, I can't, when I tell you, I just could not have mapped out my career in these steps any better as far as learning what I needed to learn before stepping into this role. I mean, I just couldn't have, have drawn it up any better. The first thing I learned as a graduate assistant at Central Michigan was Margot had this sign and I tell this story to everybody that I talked to. She had this little sign in her office that said, they don't know how much you, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. I know we've seen that a lot. Um, and it sat there like for six years and I just, she did everything she could to make me aware of how I was missing that or how I could do it better. Right. But I think that you get to a point where you ask yourself, what can I do to become the best version of myself and a coach is I want to be, who do I want to be? So aside from coaching, who is the person that I want to be? How do I want, what do I want people to say about me? And, and what do I need to do to get there? And so when I finally got to a place, I was ready to ask myself that question, which was later than I like to admit, I wish I would have done it year one when she told me, this is what you got to learn first. Um, I just was like anything else you've got to read and listen and do your, do research. 
right? And so it was, um, the, I think the first piece was a self-reflection piece of look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, yes, you played for this, these types of coaches your whole career, but if you could have chosen your coach, would you have chosen those coaches? Well, no, I wouldn't have. So why do you feel you have to go and coach that way to get the best out of them? Well, I don't know. You know, it's like having this like dialogue with yourself of asking yourself very real and honest questions um, is where it started. And then it was creating a plan of how to get there. So once I was honest with myself about, no, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't pick to play for me if I could pick. And would I want to work for me if I had to go be a boss right now? Would I want... No, like I had to just answer honestly. And I think that we're afraid to do that a lot of times. When I did, it was game changing for me. And then, like I said, it was just about trying to learn how to do it. I started with books, two really great books um, that kind of kickstarted that journey for me was um, Permission to Feel, which is allowing myself to feel things that I think a lot of times we try to deny we feel or come off that we don't feel. And just being super honest about your struggles and being human and all of that, embracing myself first, and then relating other people. Like once I understood myself, then I was able to say, okay, well, they're feeling the same as me. They struggle the same. So it was like started with me and then kind of developed into, so I went from permission to feel to the power of understanding people. Those were two really um, great books for me to just start that process of learning to care about and sounds kind of cheesy, but love people, not just my players, but people in general on a much deeper level through understanding. That's so good. And I have written down those books. I will be getting them on Audible and nice. devouring them in the next couple of days. <laughs> um, and I think one thing that I am starting to hear in coaching circles, of course, we listen to sports psych stuff too. So it's definitely there. Um, people talk about empathy a lot, but then I feel like a lot of people think that's more sympathy, like feeling bad. Like I, you don't have to feel bad for the kid who made a bad choice, but the understanding piece, I think that is, that's the word. It should be understanding. Yeah. Just, yeah, you, you don't have to agree or have had an experience just like them, but understanding like, yeah, I see how you got there. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's just that, that word empathy, I think is just, it's everything. It's everything because then um, you not only get more out of people, I feel like, but you drive yourself crazy less because it will be so true when you think about <laughs> yes. it's just like when you have these expectations of people to always do their job exactly the way they're supposed to do it or the way that you think they should do it and they don't because they're not going to. Or the right? way I'm you not, would do it. Yeah, exactly. The way that you would do it then you just are focusing on things that you can't really control instead of like, okay, so they fell short. I fall short. Um, if I feel like it's an effort thing. And, and I think that when you are in charge of, of a program or people or a group of people, being able to have conversations around those things is a non-negotiable. You have to, because if you are work, so like we have support staff, right? We have academics, we have sports medicine, we have, I mean, just all these different areas that we work with strength and conditioning. And I can sit around and talk about how, you know, these people just aren't meeting the standard that I think there should be, or I can have a conversation about like, Hey, listen, so this is my vision for this area of our program. And I feel like we're kind of 
missing the mark here, or I feel like we're not on the same page. How do we get on the same page? These are my goals. What are yours? And have those conversations because people aren't perfect. And who's to say the way that you think the job should be done is the way it should be done. That's just your opinion of it. And so I think being honest about the fact that I'm not always right, I don't know everything, I don't have all the answers, then allows you to have that empathy piece when it comes to people you know, screwing up and you have no idea why they are the way that they are, or why they do what they do. You don't, you think you do and you treat them accordingly, but you have no idea. And so I think that that's just everything. Empathy is just everything. And that is a wrap on today's episode. If you want to put your team in the best position to succeed this season, and you want to be able to understand what each of your players needs individually, it starts with culture. We've taken hundreds of coaches through a process very similar to that that Coach Bracamonte used with her uh, Duke and Toledo teams. The five-step dream team blueprint is an actionable plan for building your culture. From figuring out what they really want to the standards it'll take to get there, let's put a plan in place to have an amazing year. Just head to mentalsweetspot.com dot com slash coach to get started. All right. Hope you have a good one. Talk soon.